Hello, everybody. Welcome to Faith Brook Church. I love this time of year as we get the opportunity to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo, and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest joining in, I am so happy that you are here. In fact, if you are here on site, I want to encourage you to reach in the seat back in front of you and grab the blue connection card. If you just take a few moments, fill out your basic information, you can drop those off into the offering boxes as you leave. You can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and you can fill out a connection card there as well. Now, whether you fill out a physical or digital connection card, two things are going to happen. One, I would love to personally follow up with you and thank you for taking time out of your week to join in with us. And second, we love when guests join in and worship with us. We love it so much. In fact, for every single connection card that we receive, we donate $5 to one of our local nonprofit ministry partners. And this month, we're donating to Cross Food Shelf. This is just a small way in which we can participate in local outreach and we can bless our community. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation to Cross. Well, I don't know if you know this, but Christmas is this next weekend, and I am so excited. In fact, I'm more excited for Christmas Eve because the family that I married into opens up all the Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. So I am so stoked for that. And I'm especially excited to be able to bring that tradition up with my young daughter as well. Now, speaking of Christmas Eve, we also have a tradition here at Faithbrook where we have services uh, going on as well. And in fact, we're gonna have candlelight services happening on Friday, December 25th forth at 2.30 and 4 o'clock p.m. So you want to make sure not to miss out on that. And in fact, I want to be encouraging you this week that as you are making time and making arrangements to come to Christmas Eve service, to be thinking about who is your one, who is someone that you can invite to hear about the wonderful message of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus, to invite them to Christmas Eve service this coming week. So I look forward to seeing you and I look forward to meeting your one as well. Well, today, we are continuing our series called Wonder. So let's welcome to the platform our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. I don't know about you, but at our house, we do have a Christmas Eve uh, tradition of opening up some presents, not like Pastor Mike that opens them all, but we boil it down to one present. So we tell our, our boys, you got one shot to open one present. And now don't get into the big ones. We'll save that for the morning. So they'll grab a couple of uh, presents and they'll get really excited which one has something really good, right? Now what they don't know is usually their mom to pad the pile of presents will go out and buy some essentials. The kid needs some socks, he needs some new underwear, so she'll wrap all those up. Well, of course, there's a good shot that he's going to dive into that package of underwear, right? And the parents just love it. We're just giggling total disappointment, total bummer. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe this is part of your tradition at your, your home. But that's the way life can be a lot of times, right? Is that we get all excited. We have these great expectations, these high hopes. And next thing you know, man, it didn't work out. It's not like we thought. Well, that's why here at Faithbrook, we're starting or have been in this series called Wonder. And we're so glad that you have come and worshiped with us. Maybe you're watching online. Thank you for worshiping with us. Maybe this is your first time or your second time back. And, and we just want to greet you and say uh, th thank you, man. God has something in store for you. Because, see, wonder can be kind of fragile, right? 
that the longer we go in life, before we know it, that we can be disappointed and hurt. And this portrait of this wonderful wonder of Christmas and even Christianity gets kind of shattered and broken. It's kind of like puzzle pieces that just lay in that box. We know that there can be this beautiful portrait, but because of the harm and the damage and the problems, man, there's just a bunch of pieces. So this last month, this Advent season, We've been discovering some of those pieces that can help regain our wonder, especially in our soul. And we talked about one of the pieces that is about hope. We regain hope when we believe in what we do not see yet. In other words, it takes faith that God uh, wants to tell us that he is large and in charge, that he has a plan, that he hasn't forgotten you. Even like that song says that we don't see it, we don't understand, we can have hope. And God eventually shows up. Last week, we talked about the peace that can help regain wonder, and that is worship. That worship reminds us of who he is, who we are, and can actually renew us spiritually and emotionally. The wise men were great models of this as they made it a priority. They bowed down and they reflected and gave thanks. Now this morning, we're going to pull out another piece of that puzzle to regain that wonder, and that piece is joy. And joy always has to compete with high expectations and happiness. And it's not always easy. So I want to give you uh, some, some exclamation a little bit um, about happiness versus joy. Now let's say that this graph represents our life. We're just uh, rolling through life, and here on the left is circumstances. Uh, What happens in our life? Well, we are always striving to open up that present that's just awesome, right? And that happiness experience in those events. Uh, Boy, if we have a great job, right, and our our career is doing well, then hopefully uh, we have some money in our pockets. And because of that, we can experience a lot of events. Man, there's concerts and there's vacations. Now, maybe uh, your family is just doing great, right? The kids are just rocking it, right? Great kids, no stress, no problems. All their grades are, are wonderful. Uh, maybe uh, you're, you're going to, to have great relationships with your spouse. Uh, your family, they're all getting along. Everyone is healthy. The bodies are doing well. Before you know it, you, you know, it's a good life, right? You're just uh, happy because you are just happy, happy, happy. And this is what we're striving for is this happiness. Oh, yes. Big deal in our culture, this, this happiness, right? In fact, the, 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 the marketers will make sure that you're striving for happiness. You know, if you watch the commercials, you go to their store and you buy from them because everyone in their com- commercial or their movies are all perfect, right? Their kids are not fussing. Nobody is sick. They got plenty of money, right? In fact, hey, this holiday, why don't you go out and buy your, your spouse a new car? In fact, you're going to buy one. You got plenty of money to, to buy another one, right? And, you know, why not throw in some diamonds? We're on sale this, this Christmas, you know, because if you really love your spouse, you should should have the money to buy diamonds and some new necklace, right? And before we know it, we're just like, wow, I, I, I can't do that. Uh, something must be wrong with me. We, we, we didn't get to go on vacations like the, the Joneses did, and we, we don't have as much uh, material things, or our, our family is not as functional as, as the neighbors. And before we know it, man, we're, we're like, man, it's hard 
to find happiness, right? Uh, maybe at our, in our job, we, we got a grouchy boss that's just making our life miserable. Maybe there has been some sickness or some cancer show up in, in our relatives or in our family. Maybe my, my kid's not doing well, failing and struggling, dealing with stuff. Maybe there's been some grief and, and loss in your life that's just plaguing you with um, pain and, and uh, an ache in your heart. Maybe the relationship is, is sour. The, that marriage, that, that family member, man, it's, it's been tough. Before you know it, we just have some losses, and we have some misses out there, and, and life isn't that great, right? There, there's some sadness. It's not going that well. And, and we find ourselves just trying to strive for all this goodness and this happiness because that's what the, the world tells us to go after. And if you really got put together, you'll have all this stuff. But then we experience some, some grievances, we experience some problems, and, and we're up here, and next month we're down here, and we heard this news, and we get to experience that, and, and this seems to be what life is all about. And we think, man, is, is this what God wants in our life? And maybe even, to some degree, this is what Christmas is like. It's your family and your relatives that, that it's not like the commercials. It's not like the, the movies. And we deal with some sadness and some hurts lower in there. Well... I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, God brought an angel to some simple shepherds to give them something different and offer us something different, and that would be about joy. And Luke recorded it this way, this event. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified." But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. I'm bringing you some good news that's going to cause great joy. How many of us need a little bit of joy in their life? What, what does that look like? Well, this morning, we're going to discover we receive joy when we embrace the good news of the Savior. We receive joys when we embrace the good news of the Savior. You see, God wants to help us to regain the wonder in our soul and in our life. And this joy that the angels were talking about starts with God. In fact, I want to just suggest to you that the God is into joy. He's the inventor of joy. Now, the world is going to ask you to seek happiness. God's going to ask you to seek joy. In fact, Jesus, when he, he was traveling with his disciples, he said this to them. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be complete. I want you to have joy. I want you to have a life that is full. Uh, we know that the evil one wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. But I want to give you a life. And part of that life is joy. We see the Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the Christians in Rome, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and may the peace, of, and the peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope this wonder by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, joy has a lot to do with Christendom. It has a lot to do with the Savior. It has a lot to do with Christianity. But joy is different than happiness. And joy looks like this. 
This is joy. Joy is constant. Joy comes from God, not so much events or circumstances in our life. In fact, joy, happiness is momentary, but joy is sustaining. It's everlasting. It's enduring in our life through the good times and the blessed times and the worst of times. We can have joy in our life. In fact, a lot of times we are consumed with good things. Now, now friends, God's not opposed to good things. Uh, uh, he, he invented most of the good things, right? He, it comes from him. Uh, these are not negative or evil in themselves. These are blessed things. I, I like good things, right? I like vacations. I, I like uh, some events and concerts and fun times and sitting on the beach to catching big fish. And woohoo, these are wonderful. But what God is offering or the angels are offering to bring back the wonder is not so much thrills and excitement. It's joy that comes from him. See, joy is deep in the soul. Happiness stays on the surface. Joy is an inner substance. Happiness is an outward substance that we have to bring it into us. Joy seeks contentment. Happiness seeks temporary thrills or just maybe weekends or something. Joy transcends. Happiness reacts. Joy has a lot to do with others. Happiness has a lot to do with ourselves. And joy is more deliberate and intentional, while happiness is haphazard. It's flippant. It's casual. Hopefully it just happens. A person can experience happiness, and, and that's good. Praise God. Maybe, maybe, man, things are going really well at your, your family, and there's going to be some giggles and some pleasures and some great. That's so, so good. But what God is announcing and help, hoping that we pursue is joy and its long-term benefits. Now, I'd have to admit that this joy has to be cultivated. There really, a lot of times, has to be a shift in our mind and our soul. To shift from, man, what's the, the most pleasurable, awesome, exciting things to the joy in our life? Because frankly, a lot of times, life can be like that presence you open up and it can be very disappointing. What do we do when, when there's sorrow? What do we do when some, there's a death or there's sickness or a layoff or our kids have disappointed or someone's betrayed us and, it, and it's all falling apart and it seems like everybody else is all happy, but man, we're not. Is God still there? Yeah, sometimes joy gets low. Sometimes it, it sags down but it can always ride through and sustain us and be constant in our life when it comes from God. I appreciate what the Apostle Paul said to the Christians who were suffering in Rome in that time. In Romans 12, 12, he says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In other words, don't give up hope. There are afflictions, yes, but as we nurture joy, when we pursue joy instead of being dependent on happiness— are dependent in the lower things, there can be joy. Because in that joy, you can be sure that there are the promises of God. There is his everlasting spirit that will be with you to comfort you and help you and see you through. And before you know it, you have a, a life of joy. I'm reminded of a famous missionary 100 years ago that was known for just having a disposition and a joy in his life. 
And uh, he was off to another campaign. He was on the Atlantic Ocean Liner going to new territories. And the captain of this ocean liner heard about this famous missionary being on his, his ship. And this, this captain was embittered. He didn't like Christians. He didn't believe in that. He thought it was a bunch of hoax. So every time he saw this missionary on the ship, he would say something derogatory to him, something insulting to him. One day they came face to face, and the, the captain just let him know what he thought of him and his faith and his Christianity. Just let him have it. Just insulted him up and down. The whole time, there's this missionary with a smile on his face. And after the captain was done, the missionary said, My friend, I have peace that passes all understanding. And the joy that I have, nothing can take away. And with that, the captain snarled and walked away and said, Well, you're a lucky man if you have this peace. Well, the story goes on and says that the captain went back and he thought about what that missionary did and said that he has a, a peace that passes all understanding. And there's nothing he can do to take away his joy. Who has joy? And so the next day, he bumped into this missionary again, but he wasn't as uh, toxic, and, and, and asked him where he was going, what he was doing. And for the end of the voyage, they had a friendship, and they started talking about this joy, and they talked about the difference. And the missionary explained the good news that the angel was talking about that can bring this joy before the, the ship landed they say that that captain made a decision to follow Christ and experience joy for himself. Well, that's for us too. If we want to regain our wonder, it takes some joy, just like the angels said and declared. Do not be afraid. <clears throat> we bring you good news. Now that phrase good news means a good story. It's where we get the term the gospel. If you've ever heard of that, this phrase, the gospel, means God's good story. In Latin, it means God's spell. It's good news. What is so good about this? Well, and more especially, where does it come from? Well, the angels gave the shepherds a clue in the next couple verses here. He goes on and says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. That's it right there. This is where we're going to find the joy. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels who just said, Man, I bring you good news. This is going to cause great joy. And they're like, yes, well, where does this joy come from, from this Savior? Well, what's so good about this Savior? And I have to admit, not everyone is convinced in our culture that the Savior, whose name is Jesus, that really is the start of Christendom today, is not convinced that this Savior is so good. A lot of people are very skeptical of Christians and Christianity. <clears throat> They've seen a lot of scandals. They've heard a lot of uh, uh, diversion against it. They've experienced hypocrisy. They've experienced judgmentalism. And a lot of times their view of this Savior is, is parked down at some institution, man-made religion with a whole bunch of rules and laws, and, and they don't even live through it. And, and a lot of times, like, I don't need that Savior. I'm not even sure that it's good. Well, can I give you a couple of points that I believe 
that he is a good savior that can cause joy and bring back the wonder in our life. Number one, the savior modeled God's true nature. My friends, we don't always have to go down to the local church and the institution and the religious um, bureaucracy to find what God is really like. When Jesus came, one of his missions was like, listen, I know that you're used to all the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the temples, and you've been brought up with this religion that, man, you better show up for these ceremonies. You, you better do all these rituals, and you better follow the God's law, or he's going to strike you down. And, and they're just like, man, that's so rigid. It's so stagnant. There's no motivation there. Jesus comes in and says, I'm going to give you a new way. If you're viewing who God is, look at me. And he even said that when you see me, you see the Father. And he started to call himself the Son of God. They would be two in one. I am the model. It's not those guys down at the, the local temple. If you're looking for God, if you're looking for true salvation in Christianity, look at me. Not your local preacher, not your lo local hierarchy. It's me, Jesus Christ. He would model that. Second, this, this Savior, this Savior that can better our society, that Jesus started preaching and teaching about the principles to have us have a better quality of life as, as a civilization, as a society. He, he would talk about being humble and, and a person of mercy and, and love. One of his great phrases is, is, love your neighbors as yourself. Go the extra mile care for people. Can you imagine if we went by the, the precepts and the teachings of this Savior when he said, love your neighbor as yourself? I mean, how, how much more would we be uh, give people a benefit of doubt? Would we not be so judgmental and harsh to our neighbor, try to write them off and be so angry, right? I, I have a feeling that we wouldn't be stealing from our neighbor. I don't think we would be insulting our neighbor, I don't think we'd be killing our neighbor, carjacking their car, covenanting what the, the, our neighbor has. Before you know it, we start having a more civil, functional, healthy, and safe society. And the Savior brings that message. The good news is that a Savior also can make us whole. Can make us whole. See, I, I would submit to you a lot of times, we've all been damaged someplace. We've all been marred. We've all been insulted. Somewhere, man, things didn't add up. And before we knew it, we're, we're reacting and maybe acting out and doing things that are not godly and, and not even good for ourselves. But God comes to be our healer. He starts on the inside that all those wounds, all those just betrayals and hurts, God can start healing. And by his stripes, we can be healed. And before we know it, there's a little bit of freedom. There's a little bit of spark because we are being healed. But what happens when, when it doesn't work out so good? There is pain, there is stress, there's failure, there's problems, because he's our comforter. That's one of the characters of this Savior that can help us to live whole. Remember what he said, the angel said to Joseph when he announced that he's going to have this baby boy, he says, I want you to name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, God's not parked in some temple or institution or church. He can be parked in our heart. And in his heart, he can walk with us through the worst of times, the sorrow, the setbacks, the issues out there. He's our comforter and our helper. And God gives us an identity. See, a lot of times our, our, our culture says, man, your identity is how much happiness and success 
and how great you are. Wow, look at you. You're so smart. You're so pretty. You're, you've had all these achievements and all this kind of stuff. God, God says, you know what? I don't, I don't, that doesn't really m- mean much to me. What means much to me is that you are a child of God. That I don't care if you're down here in society or up here in society, that you're valuable to me, and I'm going to prove that by going on the cross for you. And many times it's that term of daughtership, of sonship, that he invites us in, that we have significance. No matter if, if we're super popular or not popular or people like us or not, he says, you are special to me. You're my child, my son, my daughter. And before we know it, purpose starts rising up in our life that we start realizing the life is not all about me. If we make that shift to say, oh, I, I thought I was supposed to be to see how much fun I could have in my life, how successful I can have, and look at me and say, oh, Real joy is not all about me. It's finding out what God cares about. Before you know it, it's like, oh, I want to align my will and his kingdom come. And so we start caring, we start loving, and we start serving, and we're kind, and we're generous, because God gives us a purpose, and he gives us love. And before we know it, we are made whole, and there's freedom in our life, and we are secure. And you know what else the bonus is? is that we even enjoy these a little bit more. Because if things are going well in our life, we're like, thank you, Jesus. Our our kids are doing well, maybe. I don't know, we got some money in our pocket. Maybe we got to lay on the beach or go to the Dells or Disney World or something like that. The whole time we're like, hey, this is where I'm living right here. This is where I'm living. If I have some bonus times and some good things, I'm just praising God because I know tomorrow it could fall apart and be down here. I'm not going to live here. I'm not going to live here. I'm going to live right up here. And God does allow us to have some thrills in our life and some excitements and some wins, and they're beautiful things. But most importantly, the good news that comes from the Savior is that the Savior can restore us. See, when Jesus came on the scene, he was bringing this new religion. And then it wouldn't be by religion, it wouldn't be by uh, rituals, it would be by a relationship. That we could fall in love with him and our salvation and restoration would come through him. And so he started to preach this and teach this uh, in those days. And we see it recorded in the Bible. Well, the Jewish hierarchy and Pharisees, man, they got really nervous about this. Who is this guy from Nazareth? He's just some Nazarene guy. He's claiming himself. He's, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get from heaven except through him. Are, are you kidding me, right? And so they were spying on him. They were critical of him because he was wrecking everything. Everybody needed to go through their form of religion, their man-made kind of rules and rituals. And here's Jesus said, no, it's going to take faith, trusting in me. There's a story in the New Testament. Jesus came into this town and to prove that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and he was with God and the Son of God, he starts doing these miracles. He's just healing people everywhere. And, and the word gets out that there's a healer in the town, some guy named Jesus. And so there's a, some friends that say, we got a friend that's really hurting. He's suffering. He's a paralegic. He, he can't walk. Maybe we can get an audience with this healer guy, and he can get healed. And so they drag him to this, this place where Jesus is teaching and doing the healing, and he's in this house, and it's just packed, right? And they're like, man, we're not going to get our friend close to that guy. It's, it's too busy. And one of them came up with this idea and said, well, what if we drop him in from the roof? We get on that dirt roof and dig a hole, and maybe we get him right there, right next to this Jesus guy. And so that's exactly what they did. Now, meanwhile, 
There's these Pharisees that are spying on Jesus, highly critical. Jesus is talking about this new covenant, this new way that would be from him, not through the Jewish laws. And they're watching all this. All of a sudden, there's a hole that starts opening in this roof, right? There's debris and light starts showing through, and it got big enough that this human being is being dropped right in this living room with all these people. And, and there's Jesus face to face with this paralegic. And you know what Jesus said to this sick guy, this hurty guy? The first thing that Jesus said is, your sins are forgiven. I'm sure that the paralegic is like, that's not why I'm here, right? I'm sure the parents like, I got bad legs. My issue is I cannot walk. And you're worrying about what? My sins? Because my friends, listen now. Jesus knew our greatest need was not good legs, good health, more money, more happiness, more thrills. The greatest need in our life was our soul. Because every one of us is stained. Every one of us has been corrupted in our life. And Jesus is the only way to free us from our corruption and give us forgiveness and purification of our soul. And the first thing that Jesus says is your sins are forgiven. And Jesus would go on to provide that. Eventually, he would be betrayed. He would be falsely accused. And he'd be hanging on the cross, suffering greatly with his blood being poured out. Because only by his blood that we could be redeemed. Because, see, we cannot be good enough. We can't be religious enough. We can't have good attention enough for us to cleanse our heart. It would take God himself to pay our price, to redeem us and restore us and forgive us. You see, if he's a holy God, you just can't get away with sin. God can just say, well, you, you offended me and you offended other people and hurt other people. No, there has to be a penalty and you are responsible for that penalty. It was us who should have been on the cross. But Jesus said, I so love you. I'm coming down to your world and I'm going to start as a little baby. And I'm just going to be anonymous almost and then grow. And eventually I would become a man. And I would proclaim that I am here. I am the son of God. He would get on that cross and he would bleed for us. And his blood would be willing and able to cover all our iniquities, all our sin, all our corruption, to heal us and to forgive us and cleanse us that we can be liberated from sin. That is, Paul says, there will not be any more condemnation on us. That when we face God, when we pass away, we are right with God. Uh, The psalmist wrote it this way, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all who are upright in heart. Our hearts are upright. We are right with God, not because of our abilities and what we can do, that God so loved us that he paid our price. He did what we couldn't do and forgave us completely. My friends, that's not just good news. I would say that's exciting news. And before we know it, we have joy in our soul, in our life. And we receive joy when we embrace the good news that comes from who? The Savior, Jesus. Now, here's the kicker. The angels just leave it there. At the end of that proclamation, he said, this would be for all the people, not just the special people, not just the perfect religious people, but also the all people. You, know, you notice who they came to? He came to the low-life shepherds. You know, they were the, like, low-class 
just kind of rough, dingy guys, right? Nobody wanted to be out there in the middle of the night watching shepherds. No telling what, what kind of sins they, they, they lived around. But that's who he came to, that you are included. So many times the world says, man, you got to measure up. You're not going to be accepted at our party. You're not going to be accepted in our crowd unless you're, you're, you're really with it and you're popular and you're rich and you got it all together. And many of us secretly realize that we don't have it all together. Secretly, man, we, we're, we get out, we're an outcast sometimes. We, we don't always measure enough. There's all kinds of insecurity and pain and issues. And, and people are like, well, you don't belong to us. Jesus says, I don't care if you're in a high class or the low class. You belong to me. I've come for you. This includes all people, no matter the race, no matter the background, no matter if you sinned a lot and you're a convict, God loves you. No matter if you've got sexual issues and attractions, God loves you. No matter if you've hurt someone or you've been divorced or if you've failed in your life, God loves you. This is for everyone. And in this church and around Jesus, you don't have to pretend to have it all together. We know that we don't have it all together. We, we have screwed up. We have offended God. We've made mistakes. But that's why he said to the angels, tell them that it's for all the people. <clears throat> this good news, but you're going to need a Savior that can forgive your sins and give you a new life in a new way. <clears throat> uh, I saw the story in the chicken little no- noodle soup uh, for the soul book. Uh, those stories are supposed to be true stories. And it's telling about this little boy named Billy. He was uh, talking to his mom, he's six years old, and his mom asked him, what would you like to be when you grow up? He said, man, I've always had a dream, I'd love to be a fireman. I really think those firemen are really cool. So the mother, being a good mother, said, you know, I'm going to try to help him out with this dream of being a fireman. So she called down to the local fire department and uh, introduced herself, and, and the fireman, Bob, the chief there, introduced himself. His mom says, well, I got this little boy named Billy. He really hopes to be a fireman. You would, could you anyway just like take him for a drive in one of your trucks? That would really make his day. Well, Fireman Bob was very nice and, and said, you know, we, we can help him out. In fact, we can do better than just take him for a drive. Let's have Billy come to the station for the day. Have him come to the station for the day. We're going to give him the, the full experience of being a fireman. So Billy was all excited and the day came. His mom dropped him off there and said, okay, Billy, welcome. All right, we got, got some chores for you here. You're going to have to shine the trucks. That's part of being a fireman, right? You're going to have to eat some of our bad food, right? And when the bell rings, you're going to have to go out. And, and by the end of the day, he got to go on three different uh, fire calls. Some, one was on a paramedic truck, and one was on a regular truck, and, and one was on a big, long truck that had the ladder and the, and the hoist in the bucket in the back. And he, he just loved that, man. It was awesome. Well... During that day, the news showed up and heard about little Billy. What's the news doing here? Doing a a story on this little boy. Well, the news found out that Billy was terminal. His body was full of leukemia, and he was going to have an early end of his life. And so they wanted to, to shoot this experience with Billy. And it was a good experience. His mother was so happy that he got to ride around in those those trucks and the firemen, <clears throat> fireman Bob was so gracious to him and it just made his day, made his life. Well, it was a couple months later <clears throat> where Billy was not doing well and the nurses called in the family and said, I, I think it's going to be in the next couple of hours that uh, his life's coming to an end. 
Well, the family was pulled in, and, and the mother remembered Fireman Bob. And what a great day that was for Billy. And so she made a call to Fireman Bob and explained to him that, that Billy is coming to the end of his life, and she just wanted to thank the, the fire department for being there. Because he always wanted to be a fireman. Well, Fireman Bob says, hey, we'd like to help you out again. What, what do you mean? And he said to this mother, he said, will you do me a favor and, and open the door to Billy's third story hospital room? Because we're coming. We're coming now. And that fire department, they came. They came in hot, man. They came in with their sirens and their lights honking those horns. Billy heard them. And that fireman, Bob, a few of those firemen all dressed out, got in that bucket, hoist us up. And they hoisted it all the way up to his, his room. They were able to crawl into that window and gather around little Billy. <clears throat> and they brought a special gift. And that was our fireman's badge. And they said, Billy, we want you to know that you're one of us. You're a fireman. Billy says, really? I'm a real fireman? Yes, sir. And they laid that, that badge on his chest. You're one of us. And it wasn't a couple uh, moments later that he closed his eyes and he passed away. My friends, I tell you that story. You see, we're all like Billy. <clears throat> we all are terminal. We all are going to face death one day. And we all have a sin problem. We're stained and we've hurt God. But God so loved us that he came to the art world. It was a plan for you and me. He realized that we could not save ourselves, and so he's willing to take on flesh. He was willing to be a, a baby, and then a boy, and a young man. Eventually, he gave it away. I'm here. I'm God in the flesh, and I'm here to die. And if anyone would believe, if anyone would take me in, you could be free. You could be forgiven, and when you take your last breath, you're going to be in the presence of my God. And meanwhile, I'm going to give you this joy. It's not dependent on all the wonderful happiness events in your life, not dependent on the low parts in your life, but you can have the sustaining joy that comes from me. Now, Jesus didn't come in the fire suit, and he, he didn't have a fire truck and a, and a hoist ladder, but he came in a plain robe garb. But he would be hoisted, all right? He'd be hoisted on a cross. And on that cross, he would cry out to us, if anyone wants to be a Christian, if anyone wants to be in me, I have bled for you, and by faith you can receive me. I will come into your life and your heart, but it's going to take you to allow me to come into your heart by a simple prayer. And I'd like to offer you that opportunity right now. So I just encourage you to bow your heads. <clears throat> just give God just a moment on this special Christmas Sunday. Maybe this graph is kind of, you're identifying with it. It's like, man, I've just kind of centered my life pursuing happiness and just trying to experience thrills. But a lot of times I haven't always had the thrills and life has been hard and it's up and down. And today God has been speaking to you that he's come to you. He's coming through your window if you allow him. Say so he loves you, that he wants to give you joy bring back the wonder in your soul, your heart. But that's going to take you by faith to say a simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. 
I truly believe that you died on that cross and I understand it now. And maybe for the first time in a long time, you can invite Jesus into your life to take over. And when you invite him in by faith, he comes in with that blood that washes away all the regrets, the embarrassments, the hurts, the sin against others and sin against God. It, it can be gone. That's how much love that he loves you. So right now by faith, just say, Jesus, I want you. I want to follow you. I confess I need you. I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you live in my life, cleanse me, restore me, make me whole. And Father God, in this special holy moment, you've been waiting for this. Would your spirit witness to their spirit, God, that they are a Christian. They are one with you. That you are living within them. They are your child. We thank you, God, what you did 2,000 years ago. From a baby to the cross to the resurrection, God. You are the Christ. We acknowledge this and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my friends, I want to encourage you to do a, a, a couple things. If maybe you are viewing us online and you said that prayer, or you're right here, said that prayer. One of the things that can really help you if you take the next step to acknowledge that prayer. Uh, maybe you did it as a child or a teenager or, or maybe you're a teenager now or an older person and you said, yes, I want to follow in that prayer. We want you to take out this red card that's in front of you. We have some pins in front of you. And it says the next steps. And one of the best things you can do is to acknowledge that you said that prayer. And so we want to invite you to put that in our offering uh, boxes on the back there with your name. If you'd be willing to give us your email. And the first box right there says, follow Jesus for the first time or first time in a long time. Check that. The other one is recommit my life to Jesus. I need to tell somebody. Now, if you put that in the box, we're not going to be knocking on your door and just barnstorming you, right? We'll probably send you a little email and say, congratulations. I'm personally going to be praying for you, right? And we might ask you, hey, would you like a spiritual coach? Someone just going to help you with your Christian journey. You're, you're welcome to, to have that just by acknowledging this red card in an offering box. Now, we're going to sing about this Savior in a little bit. But I will remind you that next Sunday after Christmas Eve service, three days later, we're not going to be open that Sunday morning. We're giving our staff and our volunteers a break. Many people will be with families. But we will be recharged and ready to go the 1st of January with a brand new series that we're excited about. So why don't you think about the Savior as, you, as we finish off in a time of worship?